Welcome to another episode of the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, for the week of March the 4th. Tonight, in our episode, we are going to talk about lots of things. We're going to talk March Madness. We're going to talk the scandal going on in college hoops, the FBI, coaches doing bad, bad things and getting caught. We're going to talk about Selection Sunday, bubble teams. Do we take the big five conference teams if there's on the bubble, or do we go with some of the mid-majors, the smaller schools that have had really good years? That debate we're going to have tonight. We're also going to talk Zion Williamson and the Duke Blue Devils. Should he play? Should he not play? And then we're going to talk a little NFL. We're going to talk the NFL Combine, Kyler Murray, all the drama going on with Kyler Murray. Are the Cardinals going to take him number one overall? What are they going to do? Does it matter that he's 5'10 versus 5'9? We're going to talk about lots of trades going on in the NFL. Free agency is getting ready to start next week on March 13th. So we're going to talk about some trades that have already happened this week and their impact on free agency. And lastly, we're going to talk a little NBA. We're going to talk the debacle that's going on in LA with LeBron and the Lakers. What a disgrace that's turning into. We're going to talk about the Celtics. Can the Celtics put it back together? Or are they just a dumpster fire as well? Good record, but just some terrible team chemistry going on in Boston. They had a big win against Golden State. Can that catapult them? excuse me, to the next level, to their playoff high. And it's Golden State vulnerable as we head to the playoffs. Not nearly as dominant as they've been, but, you know, can they be beat in a seven-game series? So, (coughs) excuse me. So some interesting topics tonight we're going to talk about. If you want to reach out, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to our Twitter feed, at KickTheFB, at KickTheFootball, but spelled FB, KickTheFB. And again, I'm, I'm Jason down here in Tampa, Florida. We've got spring training in full bloom here in, down here in Florida. We got the Yankees here in Tampa. We got lots of teams within about a 50 mile radius of here. We got the Phillies. We got the Blue Jays. We got the Orioles. Got the Braves over in Orlando. Got a lot of teams down in South Florida in the Fort, Fort Myers area. So. We're about two, two and a half weeks away from the Major League Baseball season started. Not a whole lot of baseball stuff going on yet, so we're going to not talk much. But again, spring training in full bloom down here in the Grapefruit League. Also got teams out in Arizona. So big news out of Tampa this week. The WWE, they announced that WrestleMania is coming to Tampa in 2020 for all you wrestling fans out there. Raymond James Stadium will be the host WrestleMania 2020, always a great event, pretty fun event. They'll they'll get 65, 70,000 people in there for that for that. That that's always WrestleMania has always been a marquee event on the calendar for a lot of people. So big news. So WrestleMania coming to Tampa in 2020. If you haven't seen the Ric Flair documentary, you you gotta watch it. Wow, just some great a great documentary about Ric Flair and his career in in the wrestling world, all that. Another documentary I definitely would suggest you take a look at. just came out this last week. 
a big long documentary about Michael Jackson in Neverland. They did a big document, a, doc, a nice three or four hour documentary on HBO. Have DVR'd it, have not fully watched it all yet, but I've heard very good reviews that it's a just very uh, informative. Gives you a lot of stuff, true stuff about the, you know, the all the doings with the Michael Jackson scandal with back when he was at Neverland and all that good stuff. They actually interviewed two of the kids who were at Neverland that were alleged that were allegedly abused were the focus of the, of the documentary. So check it out if you get a chance. HBO Neverland, Leaving Neverland, the whole Michael Jackson stuff. So. Mm-mm-mm. If, it, if what they're claiming is true, that is a that's a, a horrific situation. Obviously, tragic death of Luke Perry this week for all you 90210ers. I was that was kind of back in my heyday. So tragic. Luke Perry suffered a stroke. He was 52 years old. For those of you who don't know, Dylan McKay on 90210. Huge show back in the early you know late 80s, early 90s. Right in my wheelhouse of high school and college, so tough, tough week for the, the Perry family and the television world. It sounds like he was a pretty good guy, so condolences to his family and, his, and all of his friends out in, in, around the country, so Luke Perry no longer with us, unfortunately. All right, so let's get into some college hoops. The FBI apparently has Mr. Coach Will Wade, head coach of LSU on tape, basically negotiating with a runner, one of these uh, high school you know liaisons between these agents and the, and the coaching staffs of these schools. Got Will Wade basically squealing that his, the offer he made just was a damn good offer, but apparently wasn't good enough. So uh, – Finally, LSU has suspended Will Wade indefinitely. He's been he got suspended on I believe it was Thursday, um, and long overdue. Apparently, apparently this has kind of been been circulating for a while, but the feds finally, uh, you know, the the, the wiretaps are finally being uh, leaked slowly to the media, and apparently, like I said, they've got Will Wade on on wiretap talking to. A guy who was just sentenced to go to jail this last week as well. So, several uh, indictments were made on coaches and some executives at Adidas who were involved in some of these alleged pay pay for paying for players, college players, high school kids that were going to commit to certain schools. Uh, three or four guys got sentenced this week to jail time, which is pretty obviously pretty serious. Adidas execs and a couple of assistant coaches. And uh, Will Wade, in my opinion, Will Wade's going to lose his job at LSU over this. It's pretty hard to survive when they've got you on wiretap and they basically got you saying everything but how much money offered. But they, you know, talking about offers and, you know, things weren't good enough for the mom to accept the offer and all that kind of stuff. So Coach Will Wade's going to be in big trouble at LSU, in my opinion. Wade is a, you know, the sad part is LSU's having a tremendous year this year. They're the top 10 in the country. They'll probably be a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. He's been suspended indefinitely. The player involved, who's now at LSU, has been now, uh, you know, not allowed, is not being allowed to play any further. So a great season is just going down the toilet and, and, and smoke because of the stupidity of the head coach. I mean, if you, 
as we all know, paying players has been going on for for decades in high in you know with college football, college athletics, college uh, basketball, college football as the two main sports. You know, all the way back to John Wooden. You know, there's uh, you know the famous famous guy at UCLA who was kind of the bag man at UCLA for John Wooden back in the day. It's been going on forever. You know, there's been scandals galore over the years with with paying for players. SMU football. You know, Oklahoma football has been alleged. Alabama football has been alleged over the years. You know, basketball programs. Kentucky's been 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 in trouble over the years. They almost got the you know they virtually got the death penalty back in the uh, late '80s with Eddie Sutton on, on board. It's going on. It's still going on today. I'm just shocked that these uh, that a head coach is going to get that involved to where he's going to put himself in a position to get taped wiretapped, whatever you want to call it, that they're still, you know, risking their, 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 their career over, you know, for a kid. I mean, I just, I, I know it's a, it's a, it's a player based business. You gotta have, you gotta have the players to be a good team, but it's just, it just blows my mind that, that the head coach is going to be that directly involved in this situation behind the scenes, you know? Um, but Will Wade, you got you have to sleep in the bed that you lay. You got to lay in the bed that you made. So uh, he's probably gonna again. I I would be stunned if Will Wade coaches another game at LSU. Um, another report came out about Mark Gottfried, who the former coach at Alabama and NC State, among other places. Apparently, there's a report on him being linked to directly paying for Dennis Smith when Dennis Smith went to NC State. They've got evidence of him. Basically, handing envelopes to, to to these agents and these runners and these handlers for these AAU kids and the high school kids. So you're gonna hear more. You're gonna hear more and more names are gonna start to leak out here in the next. Uh, especially now that we're in March Madness, it's, it's the perfect time to leak that kind of stuff. So that more and more of that kind of stuff is gonna be happening, coming out about coaches. Several assistant coaches have just been suspended in the last couple of days at some big programs: TCU, Creighton. Obviously, Wade at LSU. Mark Godfrey's probably going to be in some hot water here pretty soon. He's the head coach at Cal State Northridge. Um, so more and more of this, this crap's going to come out, and you're going to see, again, I don't know how you clean it up. I mean, I mean, maybe you, you institute a rule that if you're caught doing it, you're banned from coaching for life. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. But, you know, guys that are just getting uh, – these AAU handlers, these AAU coaches are just, you know, it's it's sad that that it's that it's, you know, coming down to that, but obviously, you know, high big big time uh, college basketball, college football is big money for these schools and these recruits make such a difference financially with the revenues they help generate for the university. Um, so, interesting story that's going to be brewing as we move forward here in the next few weeks. Definitely stay tuned to that. I'll give you some updates as we hear about them. Selection Sunday, one week away, a little over a week away. Again, one of my favorite days of the year for that couple of hours when they're unveiling the brackets. I love it. Sitting in front of the TV, you see the reactions of all the kids at a lot of these schools, especially the the teams that are on the bubble, the little mid-majors and the smaller schools that are getting their one shot in the dance. It's an awesome couple of hours of television. Love seeing the matchups. Love hearing the speculation and the and, you know the conjecture about who's going to be the sleeper, who's going to be the giant killer, all that kind of stuff. It's just a fun day of fun day of, act, of, of action. 
on the TV. I think it usually starts at like 6 p.m. Eastern time, CBS. Um, fun day. So bubble teams. Lots of teams are on the bubble this year, like every other year, I guess. The, and the, the big debate is, do you take the 7th or 8th team from the Big Ten, the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, or do you give the little guy a shot? Do you take this, the second best team from the Southern Conference? Do you take the Missouri Valley teams that are that are that have had great years? Do you take a Wofford? Do you take a Furman? Do you take a uh, you know Murray State who just won their tournament, the OVC? Do you take a Belmont? The teams that have played, that have been willing to play the big boys, that have beaten some of the big boys, but are just in small conferences and don't have a lot of opportunity to play these big ranked teams all throughout the year where the 6th and 7th ranked teams in these conferences get 5 and 6 opportunities a year to play ranked teams and such. I'm a proponent if a, if a if one of these mid-major teams has had a really really good year, they've tried to play quality competition, they've tried to play some of the big majors, even if they haven't won many of the games, but they they've shown themselves very well. I think you give those guys a shot. I think you're going to see a lot several mid-major teams get in this year. I think you're going to see the Belmonts of the world, the Woffords of the world uh, get in. You know, we're talking about teams that are you know, 7 and 10 in conference play or 7 and 11 or 6 and 11, 6 and 12 even being considered on the bubble. Teams that are 500 that are, you know, 15 and 14 or 16 and 15 being considered. I mean, I just don't see how they, they've earned the right to get in. I know they've probably got a couple of good wins on their resume, but when you lose that many games, that you're, you're showing everybody you're not very good. So I definitely think it'll be, again, that's, and again, that's one of the fun things about Selection Sunday when the brackets come out is the drama that builds relative to the big teams versus the uh, the little, little guys getting in the tournament, and as well as all the analysis that goes with it. So I hope the committee does a good job. They usually do a very good job. Really, there's one or two teams a year that there's really a debate about, good or bad, whether the team gets in the tournament or they don't. But uh, And again, these little teams have shown the ability. The Loyola Chicago's of the world, the George Mason's of the world, the VCU's of the world, they've shown the ability to, to advance in these tournaments and win games. So hopefully they'll get an opportunity. And hopefully the committee takes the best 36 or 38 at-large teams, however many, I think it's 30, 36 or 38 at-large teams, and, and does does that. So, all right, let's talk a little Duke basketball. Zion Williams, sounds like Zion Williams is uh, going to be coming back for the ACC tournament. You know, the big debate was should Zion play or should he sit out, not jeopardize his NBA status. Are you kidding me? Zion Williams 100% should be playing if the guy's healthy. The guy's going to be the number one pick in the draft. If he would have blown his knee out three weeks ago against North Carolina, I still think he'd be the number one pick in the draft. He would still have the same, you know, leading lead up, marketability, and all that stuff. You know, he's considered to be the next guy. I mean, there there haven't there hasn't been as much hype about a guy in quite a while other than from Zion. You know, I think he would be, it'd be an absolute disgrace if he decided not to play and shut it down. The guy's going to be healthy next week. Play in the ACC tournament. Play in the NCAA tournament. This is your one chance in your life that you're going to – guys like him would re, will regret that. 
till the day they die if they don't if they didn't give themselves an opportunity to play in that tournament. Say what you want. I know there's a you know hundred million dollar lottery ticket at the end of the road, but there's still going to be a lottery ticket at the end of the road, even if the guy were to get injured here in the ACC tournament and do something. Play the tournament. Play with your teammates. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for you. Um, there's no doubt about it. he should be playing. And for those of you guys that don't think he should be, come on, man. I would feel I would feel more trepidation if he didn't try to play when he's fully healthy than if he, you know, than if he. That just shows me the competitive level in him is not as not nearly as, as high as I want. Do you think Michael Jordan would have, would not have come back and tried to play? Um, you know, guys like that, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, of course they would have. And they were going to be the number one picks in their draft, be the be the star player for their franchise. You play when you're healthy. You know. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, so potentially three number one seeds could come out of the ACC. Zion and Duke, North Carolina, Virginia are the three candidates. Virginia is going to be an eight, a number one seed, a lock solid. I think North Carolina is going to be a number one seed. They just beat Duke for the second time. Um, Duke might Duke will probably be a number two seed now, now that they've lost, unless Zion Williams comes back next week and they just dominate the ACC tournament, which I don't think they'll dominate. They could win it. If they win the ACC tournament, Duke could definitely be a – Viable uh, threat to be a number one seed. I think Gonzaga is going to be a number one seed. I think Virginia is going to be a number one seed. I think either Kentucky or LSU is going to be a number one seed. That's three. So I think the fourth number one seed is probably going to be North Carolina, in my opinion. So I think Duke will be the the number five overall seed. I think you'll you'll see the two seeds will be probably a Michigan State. Um, you know, potentially a, a the loser of Tennessee and Kentucky probably in the SEC will be a two seed. So I think, you'll, I think you're going to see some very high quality teams. They're going to be one and two seeds coming out of the NCAA tur- coming into the NCAA tournament. So again, the best two of the best days in sports are Thursday, Friday, the first two days of the tournament. Start getting your medical conditions in order so you can tell your boss the day before that you're not feeling well. So come Thursday and or Friday, you can be all of a sudden a little under the weather, those kind of things. So definitely uh, definitely got to find a way to watch some NCAA tournament action. March Madness is here, baby. Learn to love it. All right. Let's transition to the National Football League. Just wrapped up the combine in Indianapolis last week. Free agency right around the corner starts this coming up Wednesday. The league year starts this Wednesday. Agents have already been wheeling and dealing at the combine. Putting parameters, deals in place, I'm sure. Trades in place. We're going to talk about some trades. All that stuff going on behind the scenes. All that illegal tampering that's not supposed to be happening. Wink, wink. All those deal, all the all that talk between agents and teams that isn't supposed to be happening. Wink, wink. All those, all that chatter between free agents and other free agents that aren't supposed to be happening. Wink, wink. So the uh, NFL season is off season is about to get hot and heavy. You're gonna have a spending spree come Wednesday. 
Lots of big names are going to be on the move. You're going to have Le'Veon Bell. You're going to have Nick Foles. You're going to have probably guys like Justin Houston from the from the Chiefs. Um, lots and lots of money is going to be getting spent here between Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week. Hundreds of millions of dollars will be invested in new guys. How much do you spend in free agency? Is your team one player away to where you maybe go after that big free agent? Or are you a team that needs to build through the draft? Or do you need to, to be one of those teams that spend kind of in the second and third tiers of free agency? Where you're going to get the guy, the second and third tier level free agents. A little bit cheaper. Not the high impact, high profile names, but maybe just as good of players. These are always the key decisions these teams have to make is how much of a splash do you make? And obviously it depends on your salary cap situation. I know there's lots of teams that are in great salary cap situations like the Jets, Cleveland, the Colts, the 49ers have some money to spend. Other teams are a little bit more strapped up against the cap where they have to cut players. Jacksonville just purged $30 million off their roster to try to put themselves in a better cap situation heading into free agency. You know, teams are cutting guys left and right. The Dolphins are cutting guys. You know, you see Kansas City making some roster moves. Back to the combine. Kyler Murray was all the talk, all the rage at the combine. Is he the guy? Should he be the number one pick of the draft for the Arizona Cardinals? Does it matter that he's 5'10 versus 5'9? He actually measured out 5'10, so that's going to help him. In my opinion, what's the difference between 5'9 and a half and 5'10? Mm, I don't know. I don't think there's much, if any, difference, but apparently that 5'10 number is something that's important. Russell Wilson's 5'10. He's probably the next shortest quarterback in the league. Um, you know, a lot of people are comparing Kyler Murray to Russell Wilson. Um, you know, the big report coming out of the combine, Charlie Casserly just lambasted Kyler Murray. Apparently, his, you know, lambasted his interviewing with teams saying he was just unprepared, not very, uh, not very uh, good on the, on the chalkboard with the teams as far as X's and O's goes. Fairly confident, overconfident, cocky, arrogant, whatever you want to call it. So, question is is he is he is he doing that is there any kind of interior ulterior motive why he's doing that or is he really or is that the really the what was going are our teams feeding charlie casserly bad information just to get a bad word because they're interested in drafting him or is that the truth and what they really think about kyler murray in my opinion arizona number one in the draft click cliff kingsbury runs the air raid offense to me, Kyler Murray is going to be a perfect kind of quarterback for that system. And if you're Cliff Kingsbury, you probably have one shot to be an NFL head coach. If you're Cliff Kingsbury and you, and you really believe in Kyler Murray, you take him. Number one, I don't care what anybody says. Because it's either going to be a massive success with Cliff Kingsbury or it'll probably be a two-year dumpster fire with Cliff Kingsbury. So... If you're Cliff Kingsbury, the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Kime, the Bidwells, I think if you believe in the guy, you go all in, you draft him, and you figure out a way to trade Josh Rosen. I know it's not a great look, but, hey, they may not think Josh Rosen's the answer. They know more than anybody else knows about Josh Rosen, his study habits, his personality, 
his interaction with his teammates, his interaction with the coaching staff, the old staff. Josh Rosen might not be their guy. And he doesn't look like he's an air raid kind of quarterback. He's more of a play action, drop back. He ain't running around, outrunning anybody. He's not running lead read options. He's not a scrambler. Kyler Murray, if you're going to run the air raid offense, you have a, your offensive line needs work. Put a guy back there that can run around a little bit, but he's also a very good thrower. One thing that's underestimated is Kyler Murray can throw the football with the best of them, in my opinion. You'll get a first round. I believe, I'm, I'm convinced you'll get a first round draft pick for Josh Rosen. It may not be a top 10 pick, but I believe you'll get somebody like in, in from 15 to 30 to give you a number one draft pick. Team like the Patriots, a team like maybe the Raiders, a team like, you know, potentially the Washington Redskins. They need quarterbacks. And if you think Josh Rosen's a good player and you're one of those teams, he's worth a first-round draft pick. If you're Arizona, you are insane if you think they're going to trade him for a third-round pick. There's no way in hell I'm trading Josh Rosen for a third-round pick. I'll keep Josh Rosen on my team before I trade him for a third-round draft pick. Okay? A team will trade at least at least a high second round pick for Josh Rosen at the minimum. I would take a player in a, in a, in a pick form if you had to do it that way. But, again, Josh Rosen, in my opinion, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, and they're not going to come out and say this for another three or four weeks, you're not going to hear the, the word unless – unless they just get an unbelievable offer in the next couple of weeks for Josh Rosen, you're not going to see Arizona come out and say they're, they're, they're super high on Kyler Murray until they've, one, seen his pro day, two, until they brought him to their facility for a day or two to really investigate him, sit down with him face-to-face, and once they know they've committed that they're going to take him, that's when you'll see the trade rumors heat up with Josh Rosen. And that's when you'll see a team – Make an offer, and don't be surprised if a team like the Patriots make an offer for Josh Rosen for the 30th pick in the draft, something like that, to groom him. I mean, if you're if you're the Washington Redskins at 15, if you're somebody like that in the low 20s that need a quarterback, even if it's next, even if it's not next year, it might be the, you know, it might be a team like the New Orleans Saints, somebody like that. I know they don't have a first round draft pick, but that kind of situation where you have an older quarterback, you know. That's got one year left. I know the Giants would love to have Josh Rosen, but you can't try. I don't think you can trade the sixth pick in the draft for Rosen. But if the Giants were somehow able to trade down to 15 or something like that, then you maybe take Josh Rosen at 15 if you're the Giants. All right, let's talk Antonio Brown. This clown, Pittsburgh, thought they had a deal in place to trade him to Buffalo. Brown basically told the Steelers in Buffalo, I'm not going to Buffalo, which I can't blame him for that. If you're you're the Steelers, you have to trade Antonio Brown to a team that's semi in a contending mode and semi in a place that's going to please Antonio Brown because he's not going to report. And if he decides he's not going to report, the other team's not going to make the trade. So you have to figure out the landing spots for Antonio Brown where he would go. A team like Oakland, the Raiders, a team like San Francisco, a team like potentially Green Bay, maybe. Um, maybe Tampa Bay's in the mix. 
But Antonio Brown's want is going to want to be with a team that's semi close to winning, and two, a team that's going to potentially give him a new contract. Now, I'm not going to give him a new contract in the first year. I'm going to make him play out one more year. He's got at least two years remaining on his contract. I'm going to make him play out this year. And if he's a good soldier and he behaves and he's productive, then you give him then you give him a, a, a couple of year extension at top dollar. But if Antonio Brown thinks he's going to get traded and then the next day he's, he's going to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL, I think he's delusional. And Antonio, do me a favor, man. Shut your mouth for a few days, for a couple of weeks. Let the Steelers make their deal. Let help them figure give them advice of where they want to send them. Okay? Help them. Again, are you gonna get a first round draft pick for Antonio Brown? Probably not. Probably a two, maybe probably a, a second rounder is what he he's probably valued at around the league. And if I'm the Raiders. If I'm the 49ers, if I'm the Packers, I give up a second-round draft pick for Antonio Brown. He's a headache, but that guy is a productive player. You have to have a strong head coach and a fairly strong quarterback. But if you have those couple of things, this guy can be an impact player for you and make you and make and win you one or two more games a year. Try to get you over the top. Other trades going on around the league as we head into free agency. Joe Flacco traded to the Denver Broncos, who then turn around and trade Case Keenum to the Washington Redskins. A lot of speculation Alex Smith won't be back next year. They're on the hook for Alex Smith for like $16, $18 million. So they had to bring in another alternative to protect themselves. You cannot go into the season with Colt McCoy as your quarterback. Uh, Now, Case Keenum, is he much better than Colt McCoy? Mm, That's debatable. I would say a little bit better, but... They basically got Case Keenum for a couple of million bucks. He's not a terrible insurance policy to have. Denver was able to, to, to shed some of that salary off their, off their hands. They've given the reins and the keys to Joe Flacco. I think Flacco could be decent in Denver. What's amazing is that John Elway continues to strike out in the quarterback world. You know, I know he got Joe Flacco for a fourth-round pick, and how much time does Joe Flacco have? Maybe two years left, maybe. But it wouldn't. You know, they did. They were able to get rid of Case Keenum. They'll probably draft a quarterback in the second round this year. I would anticipate second or third round if you're Denver, because again, Joe Flacco is not the long-term answer. A um, couple of the trades. Michael Bennett traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the New England Patriots. Again, older player, defensive lineman. Philadelphia trying to shed a little salary, create a little cap, salary cap space. That is a position of depth for them. They have a pretty deep defensive line. Again, Patriots, nice shrewd move there, picking up Michael Bennett. He'll be a one or two year player for them. They're not going to sign him to any kind of long term extension. But he's a productive player. He's a winning player, in my opinion. A former Buck, which I know him well. We, we let him go for next to nothing. That was a mistake six or seven years ago when he went to Seattle. But Bennett's probably got one more good year left him. He's just, just the kind of guy the Patriots traditionally pick up. Veteran players, winning players, toward the tail end of their career, probably have one year, one to two years left in them. Um, and if he doesn't work out, the Patriots will cut him. They're not afraid to do that. 
They've shown it. They'll do it. But you watch. Michael Bennett will be a good soldier. He'll fit in well with the Patriots. And he'll he'll get busy. Olivier Vernon. Huge free agent signing a couple years back for the Giants. Got traded from the Giants to Cleveland for an offensive guard and a draft pick. I think it's not a bad move for the Giants. One of the big weaknesses for the Giants was offensive line. Zeitler was a big free agent signing by the Browns a couple of years back from the Bengals. I think Zeitler will help the Giants. I think Vernon will help Cleveland. Uh, I think it's a good move for both teams. So I think again, Vernon's been Vernon was injured with the with the Giants the last couple of years. Was not overly productive. He was a huge free agent signing of the from the Dolphins back two years ago. So I think it's a good move for both teams. Cleveland loading up. Got to give them credit. This team is going to be definitely a force to be dealt with this coming up year in the AFC North. I think lots of you know good continued good personnel moves by the Browns. I like what they're doing. You know they're gonna they're gonna slow they gotta upgrade the offensive line a little bit. They've got a quarterback in Baker Mayfield. They've got a running back in Nick Chubb. The defense was already pretty good. Now they've added Vernon, which I like. Need some offensive line help. Probably need one more receiver in Cleveland. You got Landry who did okay, but you probably need one more guy to in, to help out. You got a good tight end in Njoku. All the buzz will be about the Cleveland Browns going into 2019. You will see a lot of hype and a lot of predictions about Cleveland finally making the playoffs. Lots of speculation about Nick Foles. That Lots of people think it's a done deal already that he's going to Jacksonville. Not via trade, but as a free agent. Again, back to the wink-wink negotiations at the Combine. All that stuff. I mean, the report came out this week that it's pretty much a done deal that he's going to Jacksonville. Well, how'd that happen? Well, wink, wink. Agents and the Jaguars negotiated a deal. And so, interesting move by the Jaguars. Again, leading into free agency this last, just a couple of days ago, they purged about $30 million worth of salary to create more salary cap room. Obviously, they're going to be in the quarterback business, and be, what it'll be interesting to see is if they keep Blake Bortles. I think Blake Bortles could be cut, and he would have some dead money on their cap. But, I mean, do you keep Blake Bortles as, as a backup for insurance, or do you just cut the cord? With, I, I think invariably they're going to cut the cord with Blake Bortles because you don't want to have Nick Foles and Blake Bortles in, uh, in the same on the same team just because that'll, that, that'll just be a – that's just an unnecessary distraction you don't need to have. Let let Blake Bortles go. Take the hit on the salary cap that you're going to take with Bortles and move on. Again, free agency can start. The free agent negotiating window starts, I believe, on Monday. Maybe even to, maybe sun, it's either Sunday or Monday, March the twelfth or thirteenth is when the there's a three day window when agents can formally wink wink begin negotiating with teams to set up these deals and the and the deals can become official on Wednesday the thirteenth. So you're going to see a lot of flurry of activity these next three days, three four five days in the NFL. Pro days are coming up starting next in the next probably 10 days or so. Teams, all the big, some of the big prospects. Kyler Murray will have his pro day. The Alabama guys, the Clemson guys. You'll see all the big defensive linemen doing their pro days at their schools. 
and that'll be all the buzz of who did who did well and who's slow and who's this and who's that. All the misinformation that'll be coming out. Draft is at the end of April in Nashville, Tennessee this year. So pretty exciting week coming up in the National Football League. Here we go, Bucks. Go get somebody, Tampa Bay. Make the move. Get rid of Deshaun Jackson. Free up $10 million there. Figure out a way to restructure Gerald McCoy. Get him down to about $7 bucks a year if you're them. And go get you some defensive help. Lots of safeties available. Tyron Matthew, Eric Weddle just signed with the Rams. He was cut by the Ravens. A lot of good safeties out there. There's going to be some good running backs available. A couple of good wide receivers. Again, I think Deshaun Jackson will be available. Uh, a guy like Cam Brate might be available via trade if you're looking for a tight end. So great time of the year. No matter what team you root for, everybody thinks their team's got a chance starting on Wednesday of next year. Everybody's 0-0. Zero and zero. Everybody's again, that's the beauty of a salary cap in the NFL is you're you can make massive turnarounds in the NFL in one year's time with draft picks, with free agents, with new coaching staff. So all right. Last thing we'll talk about tonight is the NBA little NBA talk. We're we're getting we're we're heading to the stretch drive, the last 15, 18 games of the season for everybody. Some big couple big storylines. The Lakers are done. Done, D-U-N-E, D-U-N-E, done, done, done. LeBron James, what a disastrous first year in L.A. Throwing his players under the bus, putting everybody up for auction, not not being able to consummate a trade with the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. You got Ingram now out for the season. Lonzo Ball's now out for the season. LeBron James is just, you know, abjunct failure in year one in L.A. Terrible job by Magic Johnson, Palinka, and the whole Laker front office putting together a team. You got Rajon Rondo sitting in the front row with the, uh, not even on the bench with his teammates the other night, sitting in the front, sitting up courtside in some, some uh, millionaire seats, not even sitting on the bench. The coach does nothing. Luke Walton does nothing. None of the, LeBron James does nothing about it. Total dumpster fire in Los Angeles. This is the most critical offseason coming up in 20, 25 years for the Lakers. If they do not get another marquee player to come play with LeBron, either via free agency or trade, it, it sh- they ought to seriously consider trading LeBron. Because LeBron, I know he wants to be in L.A. for the, for the, for the entertainment value as far as his post-career Movie, movie production companies and all that kind of stuff that he's, he wants to be involved in. But he had better figure out a way to get another big-time player. They better be, figure out a way to make a trade with the Pelicans for Anthony Davis if that's what they really want to do. And also the notion of shutting down LeBron James for the end of the season because they're out of contention. Again, total disgrace if they do that. Jordan, Bird, Magic, Isaiah, Barkley, all the greats in the NBA didn't didn't do that when they're and they most of those guys there was a year or two during their career where their team was not in contention, was not going to be win the title, 
And for them to get shut down and for LeBron James to consider not playing would be an absolute, you know, just a, just it shows zero professionalism. Now, if he's hurt, that's another story. If you want to limit his minutes, that's another story. But if that guy just goes out and doesn't play, even if it's the last ten games of the season, that would be that 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 that's a LeBron James should tell the Lakers, you can play me minimal minutes, but I'm playing every game if I'm healthy. He does. The fans deserve it. He owes it to the franchises. He owes it to the fans. He owes it to the league. They've, you know. LeBron James is a great player. He's done a lot of great things, but he owes that to the to the league, to the to being a professional. He asked these other guys, these young players, to be, be professional. This is his chance to show that he's professional. Play if you're healthy. Not saying he has to play 40 minutes a night, but you need to be playing 25, 24 to you know 27, 28 minutes if you're healthy. The Celtics, big, huge win against the Golden State Warriors. Kind of a a, a season-defining win. Lots of lots of uh, drama coming out of Boston. Team chemistry does not appear to be very good. Apparently, they had a long cross-country flight when they went to, to for the Golden State game for their West Coast trip, and apparently, they cleared the air on the plane, aired their grievances, all that kind of good stuff. The big debate in Boston is, are they a better team with or without Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving is a fantastic player, but the chemistry has not been good with the Celtics this year, integrating Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward back into the lineup. You know, everybody thought Kyrie Irving was be the, would be the difference. And last year, without Kyrie Irving, they went to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Guys like Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum all came to the forefront and played very well. Now with Kyrie Irving, he's way more of a uh, uh, the ball stops with him, much more of an isolation player. And the Celtics have seemed to be much better when the ball's moving. Everybody's getting shots, free flowing, and they go out to Golden State this week and they win by thirty. Unbelievable! Worst home loss for the Warriors in eight or nine years. The ball was moving. Kyrie was a distributor. Lots of talk out of that, out of the Boston uh, locker room, that that was potentially a season-changing win, season-changing uh, plane flight out to out to Golden's out to the West Coast. So we'll see. They definitely have the talent to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. But can they put together the chemistry? It's amazing how much team chemistry and liking each other matters in the NBA, and it really does. You see what happens with the Lakers. I don't think the young players with the Lakers want to be playing with LeBron. I don't think they necessarily like LeBron. I don't think LeBron treats them very well as a whole. You know, doesn't sound like the Celtics have had a lot of uh, a lot of positive uh, interactions with each other with Kyrie, Gordon Hayward coming back. You know, there's been some uh, volatility with the Warriors with Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, who's the pending free agent. You know. Lots of talk. Is Kyrie and Durant going to team up and go to New York? Will one of those guys go to the Lakers? What's going to happen? Lots of drama. Golden State, are they clearly the team to beat? A lot of people say yes. I mean, the addition of Boogie Cousins, that's another chemistry issue. 
Boogie's not, I mean, he's fitting okay, but he's not been as smooth fitting in as everybody thought he would be. They've not been nearly as good defensively with Boogie Cousins. There's lots of talk that come playoff time, Boogie Cousins may have to have reduced minutes because of his defensive liabilities. Again, Golden State is much more of a dominant team when they're free-flowing, when the ball's moving. And when when DeMarcus gets the ball, he tends to be a a, uh, isolation player. He's a hell of a low-post player and something that Golden State needs. But you have to weigh that versus the defensive liabilities. I still think they're the best team, but there's lots of, you know, there's talk of Golden State, Houston, Golden State, Oklahoma City. Who would win that seven game series? Again, James Harden, Chris Paul, the Rockets. Can that style of play, can James Harden be in such a one man show? Can those Houston Rockets, can they go to beat Golden State? Had Golden State on the ropes last year. If Chris Paul's healthy, they probably wouldn't win. So I think the Western Conference is way more of a uh, toss-up situation now than it is a straight Golden State domination like everybody thought it would be. Now, I still think Golden State's the best team in the West, but it wouldn't shock me if Oklahoma City with George and Westbrook, Stephen Adams, or the Rockets with Chris Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon – if they really give the Warriors a great run and knock them off in the West. I think both conferences are wide open. There's, you know, I think there's four or five teams that could win the NBA title this year, to be honest with you. Golden State, Houston, potentially Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, maybe even Philly. I like Philly. I like that team. So I think it's going to be an excellent conference semifinal, conference final, NBA finals. Let's get to it, though. This 82 games, man, just drags on forever. Jeez. Woo! All right. Wrapping up another episode. Love to have you hear from you. Shoot us a tech or shoot us a uh shoot us a uh tweet at kick the FB. Kick the FB. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend. Check us out on Stitcher. The Powers on Sports Podcast. Another episode in the books. Week of March 4th, 2019. We're getting to a fun month of the year if you're a basketball fan. Free agency in the NFL is about to blow up. Spring football for you college fans is right around the corner. For those teams, spring break for all you high school kids, all you college kids. Be careful out there on spring break. Don't be getting arrested. Don't be doing no stupidity. Have a good time. You know, have a beverage or two. Act appropriately, please. Don't be getting arrested. Don't be doing stupid stuff. Have a fun time. Party like it's 1999. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm Jason Powers. See ya!